today on the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. Every every single day when my eyes opened up, I was very angry because I didn't want to be here. Just staying alive for me was a full-time job. fighting mm-hmm. to not hurt myself every day. Have you felt like that? Is staying alive every day a struggle for you? Do you battle with depression? Well, it's possible that you are struggling with the results of trauma. Stay tuned today as the Freedom Girl Sisterhood talks about overcoming trauma. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. And once again today, I am with the Sisterhood. Mm-hmm. They are in the house. That, that was that was one cheer. Let's have a... <laughs> hey, give some love. Let's say, uh, Wanda, we'll go with you first. Say hello to everybody today. Hello, all you sisters that are trying to get free. <laughs> you should have said the sister with a little F like you do. Go ahead. Oh. Hello, all you <laughs> sisters. <laughs> hey, Shelly, when you do that. <laughs> and say, give some love out there, Shelly. Hey, you guys, we're just so glad to be here with you today. We just actually wish we could see your faces and uh, share a cup of coffee with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're having our coffee. Yes, we are. And you know what? Speaking of that, once you stop by our website, freedomgirlsisterhood.com, drop us a line, let us know that you're listening to us, and it would be great to hear from you, and we'll get back to you. But last week we talked about trauma, and specifically post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's so much to that conversation that I know that we didn't even scratch the surface. So I wanted to continue that conversation today. And if you're listening, you might want to um, share this podcast with someone else because actually you might be thinking, well, what do you guys know about it? But we know quite a bit about it, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. As we Wanda, do. Yeah. You're sitting here as someone who was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I was never diagnosed, but I know that I suffered from it. And um, Shelly, you as well, parts of of your story. So I want to get into that today and talk about that. And so why don't we start with saying, let's remind uh, everyone, what is post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is uh, kind of what happens after it's the symptoms that occur after somebody's experienced trauma and um, in a normal brain that right and left side of the brain are working together and uh, they help process an experience and when that life-threatening experience or that overwhelming experience happens one side of the brain shuts down and that experience that traumatic experience gets stuck on one side and so it doesn't have a beginning a middle and an end. It just ends up pinging around in one side of your brain and um, it gets stuck there. It can't be filed in, in an appropriate place with, as a memory. You know, you, mm-hmm. you have a memory of an event, but this gets stuck on in, the wrong side of your brain. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, gets, it, gets stu- it gets stuck without, um, without an ability to be filed. And so we, we can't experience it as something that happens in the past. And that's why we keep reliving it. We keep reliving it. We keep reliving it. Mm-hmm. And so post-traumatic stress disorder are those are those symptoms that are experienced by people who have um, have trauma, and then they go on to experience coping mechanisms that help them try to get that experience um, filed in the right place in the brain. And so the brain tries to accomplish that with, uh, with various sort of ways, but um, we have a, a bunch of symptoms that, that take place. We end up going to uh, coping mechanisms that... Uh, 
trying to make mm-hmm. sense of that story because the story doesn't make sense to our brain. So I'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but um, you guys see the movie Groundhog's Day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, where Love he gets movie. trapped, oh, right? yeah. you know, right. and every day he wakes up, it's the same thing, and mm-hmm. he doesn't go on, he doesn't move right. on. Oh, yes, I'm getting that picture. Right, stuck or Correct. frozen in time, yes. Frozen Correct. in time, mm-hmm. stuck in that. And even though you're probably living life, it's still in the background sure. of your mind, right. and it's, it's interruptive. interruptive. Yep, it sure is. Well, one side of our brain takes... Uh, an experience and it processes it as, as memories and sensations and, and picked, excuse me, as, as pictures and sensations and sights and sounds and smells and those kinds of things. The other side of our brain is linear and it puts it in a logical sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, so when both sides operate together, we have the beautiful, like I'm sitting here on the deck seeing a beautiful scene. I see sights and, and I see visual things and I hear things and, and I'll, be, I'll remember this experience today as, mm-hmm. as a holistic memory. But if this gets trapped in, in the middle of a traumatic event, the sequence part will mm-hmm. be eliminated from that. And so, you know, trauma um, disengages those two halves of the brain that work together. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just can't experience it as a whole. The whole part of it is gone. I heard someone describe it once as if your memory were a document, it would it would read and it would have some pictures on it and it would look like a beautiful newsletter perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. But when you've experienced trauma, it's like a hundred little sticky notes that are placed all over the place. What oh, a, that's what a great brilliant. visual. That's a brilliant visual, yes. And it disconnected. They're all true, but they, they, they don't make sense mm-hmm. to anything. They're just parts. Yeah, excellent. Parts is good. good. Exactly. I mean, that's a good way to describe it. That's exactly what it is. You become fractured. Yeah, Yeah. right, fractured. And even in um, the way God created things, even musically, I was hearing that, you know, there's a dissonant chord on the piano, and we want to hear it resolved. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we don't want it just to hang there, suspend, because that's what it is. It leaves Mm -hmm. us in suspense. So I imagine the person who is living in trauma or post-traumatic stress, there's this sense of being suspended or just frozen. Frozen and stuck. We use the word stuck a lot because you actually, if that experience happened to you when one of my traumatic experiences happened when I was about seven, so part of me is actually, actually unless that trauma is resolved, get stuck at age seven Mm -hmm. and part of you will feel like that seven-year-old or if Mm -hmm. it happened when you were 14 part of you will feel stuck at 14 with those experiences those voices those memories those flashbacks to that point in time and so stuck and frozen those are really good words for Mm -hmm. people to describe Mm -hmm. what that is Mm -hmm. that is so powerful and and that right there is a is a huge clue that there are times when you're interacting with someone and they seem very childish to you mm-hmm. or you seem very childish mm-hmm. to yourself. You're mm-hmm. like, wow, something in me just got triggered and they were not talking to the mature, seasoned, eight-year-old exactly. woman. They were talking to the <laughs> right. eight-year-old little girl yeah. who's not reasoning this right now. Yes. Doesn't understand it, is yes. afraid. And um, we've actually seen some movies um, as we've been going through trauma therapy, and we tend to see everything in terms of trauma these days, but um, 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 Ben, um, Dr. Ben um, Carson, Carson um, had a very, very traumatic experience of watching his little brother die when he was younger, and he died in, in water. And when they made the, the, the movie of his life, at one point um, he sees a flashback 
and we see flashbacks that take us back to that point in our life or um, other, other pictures, movies that you'll see where people have flashbacks to that point, we're stuck there. And so that's why we get those memories that take us back to that point in time. And they're, they're actually not memories, though, because we actually re-experience and relive them, oh. and they're different. Wow. They haven't been filed in, as a memory. They're still active. That's a really important point. So you're saying that we're reliving this mm-hmm. trauma, so the brain doesn't know the difference between that it's over. The so whether it's no happening idea that just it's now or that exactly. it happened 50 right. years ago. Exactly. Because remember, we it. talked about the right and left side of the brain. And um, when the brain works together, when I, when I leave here, my brain will know that this experience is, was over. And it will be filed as something in the past. But with trauma, with PTSD, you never get the sense that something is over. So when that flashback comes, which is not a memory, it's a flashback, you get the sense absolutely that you're reliving it. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the symptoms. There's a difference between a memory and a flashback. Okay. Tell so, us more about that. Well, a memory is something that's in the past, mm-hmm. and it's a, there's an end to it mm-hmm. because it's in the past. You, you're clear on the time. And you control it, right? You can think yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great point, Dawn, that you can control yes. it or, or when you remember it. You want to forget about it. You can forget yeah. about it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Flashback is not a memory it's still in the present you still think you're in the middle of whatever that trauma was mm-hmm. you know when someone gets afraid you freeze mm-hmm. yes that's they do exactly what that's a trauma response freeze mm-hmm. is a trauma response that's also symbolic of people being frozen mm-hmm. at, right. in a trauma afterwards you know you still have that feeling of just mm-hmm. you know and so. and you don't ever know when that flashback is coming you don't no. know what's going to trigger you many things can trigger it uh, okay. a, a a certain smell. For Wanda, there are certain songs that can come on the radio, and immediately she will feel physically sick mm-hmm. because those songs, obviously something very horrible happened to her when those songs were playing. So I don't remember what they are. Though. She doesn't remember the exact the memory of what happened. Mm-hmm. You just have the sensations. Immediately. The music can play over a PA system or in the car. Um, for me, I have smell memories related to uh, a really traumatic medical trauma and hospitalization. Smell memories, I also have a, a, a trigger a response. You saw me jump when you were up, yes. up the stairs, and mm-hmm. you, and you, uh, I have a trigger response to a startle response. Mm-hmm. They can be many, many things, sights, sounds, smells, um, mm-hmm. locations. Mm-hmm. They say smell is the most powerful right. of those. Yes. So, no, you, you can't control those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You know, Wanda had an experience in a medical clinic where I looked away for a minute and I looked back and she was, had for all, you know, apparent, you know, purposes, she was about five years old. Mm-hmm. It was a very triggering event at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've experienced that as well. And I have both good and bad triggers. I have memories that will come like others do that are very pleasant. Mm-hmm. If I smell marigolds mm. in on a Summer morning, or you know, I'm at my grandparents' farm in Elkhart, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Everything awesome. is vivid. I'm there, yeah. and that's a very soothing thing. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that, if I smell or if I feel a texture, mm-hmm. it's very triggering, and that's not a pleasant right. memory. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes, what we want to do is we want to then begin to avoid people, places, things that stimulate or trigger, and yeah. so our life can get very narrow. And um, a lot of people handle their stuff. Before we go into that, um, 
because that can lead us down a discussion. But how do you know if you have it? How does someone figure it out? A lot of people go through life and don't even know that they have this. Is right. that true? Exactly. How did you discover, Wanda, for you? How did you know you were post-traumatic? Well, I knew something was clearly wrong and had been wrong for a very long time. Um, I've been trying to stay alive for years, decades. Mm. Um, and Trying to stay alive? What, what do you mean? Well, just trying not to kill myself. I My first attempt was at seven years old, and I tried, like, several times after that just to... Mm. And and I don't even think it was full heart. It was kind of like experimenting. How what is it going to take for me to do this right? Mm-hmm. So you had a daily struggle with staying alive. So how did that tell you then that you had post traumatic stress disorder? Was that just one of many symptoms? Oh my goodness, <laughs> you hit it right on the uh, the nail right on the head there. I had many symptoms that I had for years. They were just um, now they were just getting more intense. Mm-hmm. The symptoms of you know drug addiction and uh, food addiction and probably anything I can get addicted to, um, self-abuse. Mm-hmm. There were many things that I, I was doing that just were increasing in, you know, the amount of times I was doing them a day or whatever. And uh, my life was falling apart. I was I was locked up. I, I literally became like a hermit. Mm-hmm. And then and then I met Shelly, and then God sent my, my answer to my prayer, which was she had a lot of information that I needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't cool. know that I was I had PTSD and... Um, and actually was diagnosed at, at into- intensive trauma therapy as a CPTSD, which is complex. So, complex and we talked about that last week because I said, oh, what is the C? Is it right. complicated? And you said complex, but it's complicated, complicated too, isn't it? as well. <laughs> well, you're, what you're describing is they, they tell us that in order to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, you have to have symptoms in one of all three categories. And um, one of the categories they talk about is the reliving or the re-experiencing mm-hmm. the trauma. We've talked about that mm-hmm. a lot today, saying that, um, you know, those flashbacks and those memories. So you have to have some symptoms in that area. And then there are symptoms that you have to have that are in that numbing, avoiding. And that's what I think you're just talking about. I don't want to live. Um, I'm taking drugs. I'm drinking. I don't want to feel. And I don't want to go near the place or the people that trigger me. So I start losing relationships. Yep. And you might end up with a... a 10-foot radius outside your house that you can live in, but other than that, forget it. That was me. Yeah, can I me. talk about the yeah. numbing symptoms, though, just a sure, little please. bit here, Dawn? Because um, this also includes dissociation, and a lot of people, I think, have a misunderstanding of dissociation. We all dissociate to some extent. You'll drive down mm-hmm. the road, and um, you won't remember how you got to work or, mm-hmm. because we go on automatic pilot. We, you know... Um, your spouse starts talking, and you have no memory of what they said. <laughs> you know, I don't ever do Some that. Of that. No, it's I don't ever do that. But <laughs> I'm locking you out. You two don't do that. That's the ladies down the street. That's that. But um, we all have the ability to pull ourselves away and just kind of float away. Um, dissociation can be a very valuable thing because if you're going through a very abusive, uh, traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a self-protective thing sure that will allow you to, to go away and be someplace yeah. else. I can go somewhere safe. My body will stay here, but my yep. brain and my... I'm gone. 
Yep. Psyche will be like, somewhere else. I hear. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we dissociation can be very self-protective things. People sometimes think, oh, you're dissociative. So like you're that, that book or that character Sybil that was mm-hmm. in a book or a movie a number of years back, if you're really old like we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think of somebody with like total multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, you know, the, new, the word is that we all kind of are multiple personalities mm-hmm. anyway, just in a, with a small M and a small P that we all tend to have you know, um, kind of different modes that we slip into at work and different modes that we slip into when we're with our friends. But dissociation means that um, I have an ability to kind of pull back and drift off. Mm -hmm. And um, we all dissociate to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about dissociation in the person who has PTSD, um, that's one way they numb. Yep, they're going to numb. Uh, things will get too painful, and we're mm-hmm. going to numb out. Mm-hmm. And so you can watch for that and, uh, and know that if, if you're doing that, um, it's, it's a symptom. Mm-hmm. Certainly if you're losing time, because some people can yes. dissociate and stay cognitive, and we call it co-cognitive. Yes. They're there, but they're not really there, and some have absolutely no memory of dissociating at all. And those are very serious, shattered personalities. Yes, and if you're losing time, it, it, it can be because you have taken on a different personality and, mm-hmm. and you're, you're acting as someone else mm-hmm. and you might not have any memory of it. And that's something to you know that you would want a therapist to know about and mm-hmm. be treating. That would be more like DID, yeah, yeah dissociative D- identity, identity disorder. disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're all on the same page with that. So we we understand that. So those you have to have some symptoms in that category. Mm-hmm. And who I mean, most of us that have mm-hmm. trauma absolutely have symptoms in that category. And then we touched on it just a moment ago: the arousal or the hypervigilance where you are, um, there's an increased emotional arousal, difficulty sleeping or outbursts of anger or a startle response or on guard, looking for danger. Just, this me. is, yeah, and that, that was me too, and I didn't realize I was like that, but that's why I struggled with anxiety disorder mm-hmm. after a while because I didn't realize as a child, still living in the home that I was abused, I wasn't sleeping well at night. I was sleeping with one eye open, and I was just ready at any minute yes. to combat a perpetrator. Yes, uh, those who have experienced ongoing sexual abuse, or even, you know, me. I had a one-time sexual abuse from a from a stranger. Hypervigilance becomes, a, you know, it takes on different forms for different people. But yes, that hypervigilance yeah. is a real part of life. I didn't sleep for years. Mm-hmm. I didn't sleep because I was. As a young child, I was, I felt very responsible for younger siblings, mm-hmm. and I didn't trust people. So I would, when they slept, I would stay awake and just to make sure, you know, and, um, that wow. no, yeah, so I just mm-hmm. never slept. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Three days into trauma therapy, I was sawing logs like Paul Bunyan. Wow. People <laughs> down the hallway in the hotel room could have told you that. Yeah, right? <laughs> and that was a good thing yep. to, yeah. to get that very needed sleep. Yep. So uh, in the few moments that we have left, and we do have some time left here, what's the healing process look like? And we, we all know that there is a healer, of course, the yes, person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all healing comes from him. Absolutely. But what does that process look like? Is there, is there many ways for healing? Is there one predominant way? Is there many ways to get to it, but it all has to have a certain formula, such as processing the event? Is that what, what has to take place? Or That is, I think, the foundation of um, 
you know, recovery from mm-hmm. trauma, um, we have to unlock the memory or the trauma that is stuck on the, mm-hmm. the wrong side of the brain mm-hmm. to get it out, look mm-hmm. at it, and refile it on the right side of the brain. Mm-hmm. And that happens through the eyes when you can see something. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, you know, and that's not like, you know, some people would be talking about um, um, having hypnosis or this or that, right. all these controversial tech. We're not talking about any of that. No, not really. I mean, that may work for some people. You know, there's a time and place, you know, that may work. There, I know that EMDR mm-hmm. works for, um, it's very effective for short-term moving, trauma, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But if it's an ongoing trauma, they, they're process needs to happen mm-hmm. or it will just be treating symptoms mm-hmm. which okay. is what we see all around us. all right so that i want to touch on that a minute treating symptoms versus getting to the root and really healing that isn't that what we see in our mm-hmm. our relationships our country i was going to say but people just treating symptoms absolutely that's right the problem well what sometimes people don't understand is that if if i have cancer and you treat my pain for my cancer if you use um, various approaches to treat the pain that's produced by it, you're not actually treating the cancer itself. So if I have PTSD and you're treating my addictions and you're treating my eating disorders, you're treating my symptoms, but you're not treating my trauma. Mm -hmm. And so because there's an actual biological and chemical reason that the experience gets trapped in one side of the brain and doesn't get to the other. I'm interrupting you a minute. Thank you for saying that. This is biological. Yeah, this chemical. is not just, oh, it's in your head. No, it's it's not. in your brain. It's yeah. in your brain. So it's like saying, um, Don, um, um, we just need to pray over your diabetes. Well, yes, absolutely. God does heal that way. He does heal that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's also a reason to take my metformin for my diabetes. Mm-hmm. And God may choose to heal me totally, but I also choose to use um, metformin because my doctor tells me to take it, so I do. Because there's a biological and chemical process mm-hmm. that has taken place that causes that that wash in the mm-hmm. brain, that causes that experience to get stuck there. You can also treat it physically and through the, a process that reverses that. So that's why we so strongly encourage trauma treatment. We also encourage prayer, we also, and we also know that God is our total healer. There are lots of different ways to do trauma treatment, but trauma treatment is different than counseling. Mm-hmm. It's different than, it, it, it is an actual process that actually helps you get the, the experience, you know, passed over to that other side of the brain, and there are different um, kinds of, you know, methodologies that are used to do that. You know, Wanda and I are wildly and hugely fans of the treatment that we went through because it accomplished in in five to ten days what most people try to accomplish over a period of years. But um, there are many kinds of specific trauma treatment that Mm -hmm. uh, address that process. Uh, We're going to take a break here in a second, but I want to talk about this. If you know someone and you're in a relationship with them, you're trying to have a friendship with them, or you're married to this person, and you see a pattern, mm-hmm. and they do okay for a while, and yeah. then they crash again. Yes. Or they're trying to get off of alcohol, and then they binge and they fall, or they have anxiety, or they have anorexia, and they won't eat, and then they binge. Mm-hmm. Or they're suicidal, and then you go to counseling, and they mm-hmm. do pretty good for a mm-hmm. while. And you get so frustrated because they just, you know what, in your mind, you're like, just get over it. Yeah. Or you're just trying to get attention. 
You just, you know what, just live your life and enjoy your life. Why are you trying to get everybody to feel sorry for you? You're having a pity party. Mm -hmm. Everybody has trauma. It happened so long ago. Um, Wanda, you mentioned earlier hoarding, people who hoard. Yes. Um, there's, we watch, you know, I mean, I can't I really watch that night, show. but right? I can't watch it. Can are you a see? hoarder? No. Oh, you but, hoard. But, you know, you see that the, someone swoops in to rescue the hoarder, and they clean the house out, and they do all this stuff, mm-hmm. and then they leave. They right. They the treated the symptom. They treated the symptom. And they left this poor person without now without coping. no coping skills. No coping skills. Because they cleaned up their mess, which was the way they coped. So, okay, they, they coped. And so you took my coping skill, but yes. you didn't replace it. Yes. Yes. So, yes. so a month later, it's back that's to That's why that. we have relapse. And that's right. why we get mad at people, because we have not gone deep enough to say there's something more at and work. Yes. that's the most amazing thing about real trauma treatment. Real trauma treatment goes into the source of the trauma and it says, you know what, you were fed a lie. At the root of trauma treatment is the fact that back there in that experience, back there at that point of trauma, a lie was planted that tells you that you're not something or you are something that is untrue. And that's what drives you to these behaviors that become your symptoms. And when you go back into trauma treatment that's truly effective and that's, that, that addresses the biological and the chemical, it also addresses the lies that you believe because mm-hmm. everybody who has PTSD hears voices in their head. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the fact that you hear voices that say, you're this, you're that, you're no good, you're rotten, you're lousy, you're this or that. And when you get to the bottom and the root of this, truth is what will set you free. Yep. Amen. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to pick it up right there when we come back. Hi, this is Dawn Scott Damon, and I'm inviting you to become a Freedom Girl. Stop by freedomgirlsisterhood.com and drop me a line. I'd love for you to be a part of our forum, sign up for our newsletter, and watch for upcoming conferences. Join me once again. That's freedomgirlsisterhood.com. I hope to see you there. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Dawn Damon. I'm with the sisterhood today, Shelley Beach and Wanda Sanchez. And we've been having a really great dialogue about what it means to be post-traumatic stress disorder today on the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. So thanks for uh, tuning in and coming back. So right before break, we were talking about the lies that every person who struggles with PTSD has lies in their head. And then you said they hear voices. So now, like, you've really pushed me over the edge. Are we talking... (laughs) Audible voices, you know, where do these lies come from and where do the voices come from? Talk, uh, either one of you, about that for a minute. Well, voices, um, for me anyway, they, they aren't audible. It's like God, you know, it's sort of like, it's just an, an internal. Yeah, it's an internal thing. It's a voice from your perpetrator, your abuser, the lies they told you. Those are the things, you know, so it's not really a voice. It's like more of a memory kind of thing. Messages. Trauma-based memory, yeah. It's like hitting the recorder and hearing that voice, exactly. that parent mm-hmm. in your head. Mother, why are you in my head? You yes, know, go away. Exactly. It's, okay. It's mm-hmm. um, I just want to ask you a question, though. I'm not, I'm not the interviewer, but sometimes those were, were they messages of, you know, you know, about doing negative things to yourself. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's you know. the, that, those are the, the urgings that I was fighting every day, every hour of every day at the end before, before I found out about trauma treatment and met Shelly. 
um, it was not it was not a fun thing. I mean, it was very very scary. I mean, how tiring is that to be combating voices in your head all day long? Yeah, you know, the ones that are saying, "Step out from the truck." Listen to that. There's that truck. There's the truck. There's the truck. Go. And I heard the Jack. rumble, and I would close my eyes and wait, and, oh and I'd goodness. fantasize about, you know, is it? I have to step into the right place mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know. So there's healing for this. Yes. <clears throat> there's freedom yes. and um, truth. Truth. That's, you know, Jesus said that in John 10:10. The thief comes to steal and to mm-hmm. kill and to destroy, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. In John 8:32, he says, "You will know the truth." Yes. And the truth will set you free. Yes. So mm-hmm. there really is life beyond yes. trauma. Yes. Yeah. I never yes. knew about that scripture until I went to. I mean, I never understood it. Understood what it meant. And then I was like, huh? I was walking around yes. going, truth. It really does set you free. Yes. <laughs> there's right. freedom there. Yes. There's freedom awesome. there. The, the most, the most wonderful thing about the trauma therapy that Wanda and I went through, uh, which um, was this, it was a, you, people would call it a secular. Uh, clinic, but we believed it to be the most biblical thing that we'd ever really walked through because they taught us that, um, you know, we all consist of parts. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this part in me that's this little girl, and I hear the voice of my father raining down this abusive language mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm. And so there's, this part of me still feels like this little girl who's maybe four or five, and I, I see myself sitting on my bed all just kind of balled sure. up mm-hmm. with my dad towering over me, and he's saying these negative things to me. And, and that instilled in me a fear and a number of other things. And so knowing that there's this part of me, because we're every age, we're every day that we've ever lived, and there was this, there was this, this part of me um, that kind of froze there and got stuck there. And I, Shelley, the authentic person that Jesus sees me to be, that my true self, the true self that Jesus sees me to be, mm-hmm. can speak truth to mm-hmm. Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to engage with her and talk to her and speak mm-hmm. truth to her and, and tell her it's okay and mm-hmm. love her and show compassion to her and not try to fix her, mm-hmm. not just try to fix her, but to speak truth with her, engage with her. And to do that with every broken part of me, and it's it's a confrontation of truth with lies, mm-hmm. and and um and so the the fear and the rage and the anger, and it's not to try to eradicate those things; it's to understand them, give them a voice, and then let the truth of God mm-hmm. and who we are shine. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, the Scripture tells us in Psalm fifty-one, "You desire truth." In the inner parts. Mm-hmm. And in the Hebrew language, they do not know what that word inner parts means. But I believe that it means the parts that you're talking about just now, that little girl within us, the two-year-old or the five-year-old or the ten-year-old, that adolescent. God desires truth in our inner parts, in every part of us, body, soul, and spirit. David said, I'll speak to myself, why so downcast, O oh my soul? Mm-hmm. Put your hope in God. So today, we pray that you will take a hold of this revelation and this truth, that you just begin to speak truth to yourself. What does God say about you? Who are you, that true core essence? Mm -hmm. 
of who God created you to be. And I believe that as you meditate on the word, you will begin to discover the truth of who you are. We're so glad that you're with us today. Hey, take time, visit us at freedomgirlsisterhood.com. We can't wait to hear from you. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you, sisterhood. God bless you, Don. Thank you. Bye-bye.